Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. The word of God for the people of God. I wonder if you'd bow your heads and let's pray together as we begin this time of message. Holy and gracious God, it is so good to be here. It is good to be with these people, whether, whether in this space or online. And, and somehow we gather and we worship you. And I pray now that you would bless the words that have been prepared, make them yours, um, so that together we might come to know you in a deeper and new and beautiful way. And this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we're continuing in this relationship series, Practical Love, Tools for a Resilient Relationships. And what's great is we didn't even realize it would be during Valentine's Day. So, like, you're welcome. We did that. And, uh, and don't forget, Valentine's Day is, in fact, on Tuesday. It's still time to buy the card if you need to or make the card. Um, but we're in this sermon series, uh, Practical Relationships, Practical Love. Last week, you might remember, we, we were together, and, or maybe you watched it online, and we talked about how important it is to know ourselves, to understand who we are, how important it is to step into the flow of God's love and grace, and just, just picture yourself planted in this stream where the beauty and the wonder of God's love and grace flows over you and around you and in you so that you can remember you are a beloved and beautiful child of God. That is so important. We need to know that about ourselves before we bring ourselves to relationships. But today, we're going to talk about the importance of understanding um, two things, really. First of all, that we are made in the image of God. We're going to talk about what it means to understand that we are stamped with the divine imprint of God. It's called the Imago Dei. Can you say that? Imago Dei. You can use that this week. I just think it's a beautiful, a beautiful phrase, something to hold on to. Every time you say that, you can just remember, I am stamped with the divine imprint of God on me. And the other part of this, along with the Imago Dei, is we want to understand that we are all different. Would you agree that we are all different one from another? I discover this all the time when I think everybody thinks the way I think, and then in fact they don't actually think the way I think. We are different. We were created to be different. We were created um, to be in relationship with each other. It's really very important to remember that, that we were in created to be together with one another. God created us. God created us with this 
imago dei. You know what that does? That makes us like God. It makes us carry the divine. It gives us this promise of eternity. It is an incredibly powerful thing. So we need to remember that as we remember that we are, we are very different. We carry different scars and different truths and different likes and different dislikes and, and all of the things, all of who we are can be different one from the other. But scripture did say very clearly in Genesis 1, so God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You are a unique being, and yet you carry the imprint of God on you. You carry your own quirks, your own habits, and your own stamp of the creator. You are, in fact, like popcorn. You maybe smelled the popcorn when you came in. You can eat it after the worship service. It's kind of to entice you. But listen, popcorn, I learned so much about popcorn this week. It's fascinating. Did you know that when you take a kernel of pop, popping corn, it carries within it this little drop of water? In fact, you can watch popcorn popping here. Well, as I talk, you just watch it pop. It carries a little drop of water, and when you heat it up to a certain temperature, it explodes. It can't help itself. It just bursts forth, and each piece of corn is different. There is no popcorn that is exactly the same. It's like snowflakes. And you know how snowflakes, every snowflake is unique, and yet they're all created the same way. Listen, you can hear it. Popcorn is like that. Every popcorn needs to be heated. It needs to reach this point where it can become exactly who the popcorn was created to be, unique and different and individual. And then, and then we'll soon be eaten. But the metaphor breaks down after that. That's okay. That's okay. We are all created unique and individual. We carry the divine stamp of the creator, but within us is this seed that once it is nurtured and, and watered and grown and cherished, it becomes who we were created to be. That's inside all of us, and we carry that. We carry this divine image, and how we live and who we are and what we do is a result of this odd and wonderful mixture of science and faith and free will, and it's like it's just waiting to burst forth from you. The process of popping corn is about heating up and drawing out the water from each kernel. Being in healthy relationships is about recognizing and drawing out the imprint of God that is in each person, the sacredness that is inside of you. So today we're going to talk about how we can have resilient and stronger relationships when we intend to drawing out the sacred worth of one another. When we live in such a way that we are always looking for the imago dei in each other. You know, we, we were created to be in relationship with each other. It, in the very beginning, it says that. In Genesis, the Bible says that God said, let's, let's create humanity to be with, with us, to be together. And then, and then God creates two human beings because one is lonely. 
And so we are created to be in relationship with one another. We're created to have this, this social structure around us. We exist in community. Now, some of us have large communities, large networks. I have friends that have so many friends and acquaintances, and I can't keep up with them. And then I have friends that have, they just have a small community. But everybody's got a community that they're in relationship, one to the other with. It is how we are made to be in the world. When you study psychology and, and you find out that they agree that we generally engage in four areas of social interaction, public, social, personal, and intimate relationships. So your public relationships are when you go to the grocery store and at the produce aisle you find somebody and you have a conversation, right? Um, your social relationships are when you go to the soccer field, Maybe if you have children to their soccer field or maybe you're in the pickleball craze and you go and, and you discover friends and you just are socially with one another. Personal relationships are those relationships that, that are, are deeper and you have more, more in them. And you might go out to dinner with some friends that you know and, and that's, a, that's a different type of relationship. And then there are the intimate relationships. And those are the relationships that, that really there are very few, but they're, they're your partner or your spouse or your, your best friend. Maybe someone in your family, someone that, that you will tell everything to, someone that you feel safe with. But in all of these, in all of these, as human beings, as we interact in the world, we look for the image of God in every person. But we behave differently in each of those settings. Does that make sense? We behave differently because we know them differently. So I went to a, a gathering of friends um, a couple weeks ago now, I guess, and I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine, and we talked for quite a while, and it was nice, and then I talked to a bunch of other people, and he talked to a bunch of other people, and at the end of the time, he said, hey, can, can, do you have time to go out to lunch or, or you know, get a cup of coffee? And I said, sure, I would love to do that. So we went out to lunch the next week, and as we're talking, he said, I want to tell you about this really hard thing that's happening in my life. And I said, of course, I, I would be happy to hear that from you. I said, I didn't see any of this the other night when we were together at that gathering. And he said, no, no, I wanted to just keep this with my most intimate circle, my closest friends. Does that mean he didn't respect and honor the other people? Absolutely not. Does that mean he didn't trust them? Probably not. What it means is we have these different levels of social interaction and how we behave, we get to make choices of what we share and when we share it. And when we recognize the image of God in other people, we let them do what they're comfortable doing. We don't expect them to be the same in every single relationship. But what we do expect, what we do want from ourselves and from others is that I can look and see the image of God in every face here. I can see it in every face that is online. You carry the sacred image. And how I interact with you may be different, but I'm always going to see that sacred image. And what we want to remember is that as you're interacting, whether it is up in the public or down in the intimate to be welcoming and open and understanding of one another is something that we are called to be in relationship. You get to decide how much 
and when, but it is really important to remember that that is a part of who we are. The truth is when we are at our best, we're able to walk in and out of all the different types of relationships. But one important thing to remember, in order to do this well, in order to walk in and out of relationships, here's something that we need to remember. In every relationship, we are always me. Point to yourself and say, I am me. Grammatically not so good, but I am me. And then point to someone else, you are you. You are you. We are different one from the other. I am not you, and you are not me. And that's really important to remember because sometimes I want you to be just like me. I I don't want you to be yourself. I want you to agree with me. But you're not me. Tell me you're not me. And I'm not you. That's really good. I hope you did that online. We are unique beings in our own sense, and that's okay. That's really important. We see God in everyone, and yet we acknowledge that we carry this different being from who we are. We want to learn how to interact with you in a way that I can accept your differences, in a way that I can accept the things I love about you and the things that make me crazy about you. Because there are, there are always those. I, I, I will just name that for us. The scripture today, the scripture that you heard Eric read, helps us. It walks us through what it means to honor another person while being yourself, but especially to see the imago dei, the image of God in another Abraham is teaching us what it means to have this radical hospitality. And radical hospitality means I recognize that you're not me and I'm not you, but that you and I carry this sacred image. If you have your phone and you have a Bible on it, or in your pew Bibles, you might want to open it up to Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 because we're going to walk through this, and we can't fit it all on the screen. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I'll give you just a minute to find it. I won't think you're playing games on your phone. All right, here's how the chapter begins. If you could put that first text, the Lord appeared to Abraham. All right, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, and while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Here's something really important to notice in that text. When I read that text, I see the Lord appeared to Abraham, and I think that the Lord appeared with a big sign that said, I am the Lord. And Abraham went, this is definitely the Lord. And the Lord appeared to me. But that's not what's happening in here. The narrator is giving us an inside scoop. The narrator is telling us information that they think is important for us to know. But Abraham doesn't know it. So you might ask, why do we need to know that? Why is the narrator letting us into something that Abraham doesn't know? And I will tell you that whenever this happens in the scripture, something important is about to happen. There is a lesson embedded in this scripture that is really important for us to learn. 
So it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. He's sitting at the entrance of his tent, which is what you did in the heat of the day, because it's really hot in the heat of the day. And Abraham looks up and he sees three men. He doesn't see the Lord. He doesn't see angels. He sees three ordinary men. Remember, in the scripture, this is the Lord. The three men are angels, or they're representatives of God. They are, in fact, God. Abraham sees these, and and here's the wonderful thing about Abraham. When these men visit Abraham, Abraham doesn't know it's God, but he begins practicing this radical hospitality, not because it's the Lord, but because he knows they have sacred worth. Amago Dei. Abraham sees this instantly. He is honoring them. He is honoring them. These three strangers who he doesn't know, Abraham is honoring them. So let's continue. Would you read this part with me? And we'll just stay on this screen at the beginning. When he saw them, he, from the entrance of his tent to meet them and to the ground, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Notice what Abraham does. He hurried from the entrance. He didn't sit there and go, oh, do you all need something? Do you want something? No. He hurried from the entrance to meet them. And then, not only did he hurry, he bowed low. He went all the way down. He doesn't know these people. He doesn't know it's God. And still, he bowed low. Why does he do this? Because he recognizes their sacred worth. He is practicing radical hospitality. Let's go to the next slide. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go your way. Now that you have come to your servant, let me do this. Let me do this for you. He is inviting them into his life, into his tent. He is begging them to allow allow him to do things for them. Why does he do this? Because he sees their sacred worth. Because he's practicing radical hospitality, which if you knew it was God, you would be pulling out all the stops. But he doesn't know it. And he says, now that you have come to your servant, he doesn't know who they are. They may be nobodies for all he knows but he's practicing this radical hospitality and he says i am your servant we all feel the difference between someone who is reluctant to see us and someone who is excited to welcome us if you've ever been to a party or an event and you walk in and they're like oh good you're here you, you know they're not, they just haven't been waiting. But if you ever walk in and you're greeted with enthusiasm and excitement, you know that you are an honored guest. I want to show you a picture of someone who is perhaps one of the most hospitable beings here at Flores United Methodist Church. <laughs> That's Betty. Betty is a service dog. Betty is Carol Edwards' service dog. 
And here's something I want to tell you about service dogs. If you come upon a service dog and they are wearing their harness, it's either a, a, a coat or an actual harness, they are working. And you shouldn't pet them, and you shouldn't talk to them, and you shouldn't scratch their ears. And it's so hard because they're so adorable. They're working, and they are taking great precautions to care for the person they're being of service to. Now, if it's off, you can scratch their belly, you can rub their ears, you can do whatever you want. That's fair game. But if they're in their harness, please don't do that because it, it's hard for them. And uh, so if, and the owner, the person who is, has the service dog is the only person who can break any of the rules. Nobody else can. Did you all hear that? Because Betty spends a lot of time here. Don't go up to her and pet her if she's got her harness on. If she doesn't, scratch her ears. She'll love it. Um, so Betty, Betty spends a lot of time between services. Carol Edwards is our, um, she works with our grow ministry areas. And so she spends a lot of time between the services. And Betty's either out under the awning or she's here in the gathering space. And every week, nearly every week, our bus pulls up. And off the bus comes Sam. And Sam is one of the most delightful people you could ever meet. I, he's usually at 11, but if you ever get a chance to meet him, he, is he always has a smile on his face. He's this lovely person. And Betty loves Sam. And so when, when Sam comes in, Betty goes to greet Sam. And Betty licks his fingers. And Betty rubs against his legs. And Betty, Betty just welcomes him. And I wish you could see the smile on Sam's face and the smile on Betty's face, because this is what radical hospitality is. Betty looks at Sam and says, I want to see you, I want to be with you. And Sam says, I want to see you, I want to be with you. It is a beautiful relationship, and this is what radical hospitality looks like. It is not sitting back and hoping someone stands up and greets them. This is somebody who says, I want to know you. I see in you your sacred worth. Abraham. Abraham sees the sacred worth in his guests. Abraham is modest in his offers, but then we see that he is extravagant in his delivery. From, we learn from Abraham that when we practice hospitality, we don't boast about it. We just do it. Once the three visitors accept Abraham's invitation, if you're following along, you can see they accept the invitation, they go in the tent, and Abraham begins to prepare this very extravagant meal. He says to Sarah, his wife, take three seahs of flour. A seah is a, a mount of flour. Here's what I know. Three seahs of flour would make about 25 loaves of bread. That's a lot of bread for four people. Maybe five if Sarah gets to come to the table. Why does he do this? And that's not all. He takes the calf and he uh, prepares milk and cheese. He brings everything and he lays it on the table for his guests. Why does he do that? He doesn't know it's God. Because he sees their sacred worth and he is practicing radical hospitality. He brings his best so that the visitors might actually be guests and be blessed. Abraham's intent is to be the best giver of hospitality he could be. But the most important part of this story is that Abraham is doing it 
for three unknown visitors. Abraham doesn't know. He doesn't know that God is sitting in his tent, and yet these guests are treasured. When we interact with people, are we able to see the imprint of God on them? Are we able to think the presence of God is in our midst? Or do we become accustomed to people and treat them ordinarily? Do we sometimes assume the worst and allow our insecurities to hijack the better angels of our nature? In Abraham's time in the culture of the Middle East, hospitality was always big, partly because they lived in such an inhospitable environment. So in that culture, you were always welcomed, just over-the-top welcomed. And what I know is it really hasn't changed much. Some years ago, I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to go to Bethlehem. And when we were in Bethlehem, we got to go, small groups of us, have dinner with our Palestinian hosts. And here's what I know. It is not easy to be a Palestinian in, in Bethlehem. There is this very uneasy truce and violence often breaks out as we have seen just recently. There, is, there are shortages of food and goods. It is hard to go, very hard to go from one city to the next. And yet this family welcomed us. They welcomed us into their home. We sat around their kitchen table and two of them had to stand to eat because there was not enough room around the table and they brought out rice and vegetables and meat and bread and we shared in this incredibly beautiful meal, all crammed together, all having conversation and they looked at each of us like we had sacred worth. They were so hospitable to us. And then we left and we're like, can we help you clean up? And they said, of course not. And they, we got in the car and they drove us back and then we were taken back across the border. This is radical hospitality that is still alive in our world. Imagine. I want you to imagine living in a world where we all try to honor the sacredness of others. Imagine if we all paid attention to offering hospitality and could accept that while we are all different, we are all of sacred worth. When you shop at the grocery store, the person in produce, the checkout counter, the customer in front of you with not 10 but 14 items, the harried father, the grumpy child, all of them are stamped with the sacred image of God. Imagine a world where we could see the unhoused person and the person with a six-bedroom, four-bathroom house as the same image of God. Imagine a world where people from both sides of the aisles could treat one another with respect and honor due to all persons, a world where sacred worth inspired radical hospitality and allowed us to step across division and into civil conversation. This is the world we are called to live in. This is what Christ calls us to. We want to be more like Betty. We want to have this welcome and open and trusting relationship and see in one another the sacred worth. This is the lesson we learn and from the mindset and posture of Abraham. We can do the same. When we experience hospitality, 
We are better at showing hospitality. In church, we have been shown the most radical hospitality of all in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ offers us free grace. We do nothing to earn it, and yet every time we come before Christ, we are welcomed just as we are, full of the sacred image of God. And we want to build that here at Flores and Restoration. We've got a great start. But our job is to invoke, to draw out, to fire up that sacred worth. It is like the popcorn. At first, just one pops, and then another, and then pretty soon they're all popping all through the pan, and it's contagious. When you are hospitable and you are welcoming and you see the sacred worth, then the people around you do, and all of us see that in one another. And that is what we are called to do. We live in this world right now where there is so much pain and hurt and disharmony. And we are called, whether you're at home or here in the sanctuary, to welcome people, to see the sacred image of God in each person, and to acknowledge it in yourself. And so I want us to, to, to mark today, February the 10th, 12th, February the 12th, <laughs> mark this day, and I want us to begin again to show radical hospitality to everyone, not just here in the sanctuary, not just in the gathering space, not just in our parking lot, but everywhere we go. But we're going to practice it here, okay? Okay? okay. Yes, go team. Um, you might remember that Pam Bentley, who's our uh, connections coordinator out there, came a couple months ago and she talked about, here are some ways to do this. And so I want us to start doing it. You're practicing the 10-foot and the three-minute rule. Yes, I have those numbers right. Here's what you do. You take responsibility for people that sit within 10 feet of you. So look around you. Most of you have people within 10 feet. In fact, you all do. When you come into worship or when you leave, take the time to find out who they are. If you don't know their names, chances are they don't know yours, so it's okay to ask. And even if they do, we all forget names. Get to know one another. And then the three-minute rule is before worship and after worship, spend three minutes talking to someone that you don't know well. I know we come to see our friends. That's okay. And we come to make new friends. We are social beings. We want to be in relationships. Sometimes people come to worship because they don't have that network and they are longing for it. And you might be the person to welcome them. You might be the person to stir up in them, again, that memory of the sacred worth that they carry, the imago dei that is part of who they are. So I'm going to watch and you can watch me. And we're going to start welcoming the people that are within 10 feet of us and then have the three-minute conversations. And the good news is after worship, you can go out and get some popcorn and you can talk and eat popcorn for three minutes. It'll be great. Betty will be out there. You can wave at her. You cannot pet her because she is working. <laughs> I, I, I told Carol I'd make that very clear. Friends, I look at your faces the ones that I know and the ones that I don't know, and I see stamped on all of them, all of them, the sacred image of God. You have value and worth. And I want us, as florists and restoration, to help others know they have value and worth.
Practice it here in this safe space so that when you go out into that world, you can take it with you. You were created in the very image of God. Amen? Amen.